Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast with David Savage and Jack Pierce, publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. This is the show packed full of interviews and debate with technology leaders for the love of tech. On today's Tech Talks, we're talking to Jay, he is the CEO of Divig. But before that, hiya Jack. Hello David. And hello Sean Bradley. Tech, full name today. tech journalist, <laughs> blogger, and proud owner of 1500 Lime Green Cycling Shorts. Oh my god. What? Yeah, so I ordered some things from this. Um... I saw your Twitter. Yeah. yeah, I did see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what the hell was that? I about? tried them on and I just could not stop cracking up the soul. So why did you get so many bike shots sent to you? I didn't order any of them. Right. Um, and I was really excited to open this package. I was like, it's a bit heavy. Like, I don't know what's going on. Opened it and I was like, what are all these green things? Like, I'm sure I ordered one green thing, but it looks like a lot. And it was just 50, like 11 pairs of these lime green cycling nice. shorts with a seatbelt buckle. <laughs> seatbelt buckle? Was it like yeah. a raver pair of shorts? Um, I think so. I mean, I hope someone wasn't buying them for aesthetic reasons, but... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Has anyone been in touch on Twitter to be like, yeah, they're mine? No. So oh. I might just get all of my housemates to wear them for my birthday and just... That's a good idea, actually. Yeah. You go out with some kind of weird... So I feel like if something. I put them in a clothes bag, they're just going to be like, no, they're, they're You're going to be the first person to have clothes it's turned away. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but these are, these are close to homeless people. You're giving us the skimpiest, tightest shorts. Yeah. They're not going to work, really. No. Fluorescent lime green. They'll probably yeah. do quite well in a charity shop in, you know, West, leafy Camden. West London. Oh, right? yeah, yes. they're super edgy. Shoreditch ones. I was yeah. thinking yeah. more along the lines of kind of. 40 plus year olds having yeah. that kind of midlife crisis, let's go cycling across Richmond Park type fella. Yeah, the type right. of cyclists okay. that wear the most skin tight lycra. And, uh... It's like those cyclists that seem to think they're on the Tour de France yeah. when it's oh, like, yeah. mate, Actually, mate, no. You're in Bishopsgate, you don't need to be hunched <laughs> over, like knees up to your elbows and all that. Oh, with, with the Mier Jaune on. Exactly. <laughs> Is that the little hat? What's no, the little hat called? No, the yellow jersey, mate. Oh, the, oh right. Mier Jaune, I think. Dave I might be wrong there. Dave someone, loves cycling. Someone correct oh, my okay. French. Um, I have no idea what that is. And we had a delay in recording because you had some tortoise issues, which I was slightly confused <laughs> by. This I moment. thought it was a typo. I no, no, no. I, don't think yeah. it is. I thought I was like, hey, I might confuse him a bit, so I'm going to say it. Uh, no, we just, we, uh, my housemate has a tortoise, a little pet tortoise called Archimedes. He's amazing. Aww. I love him. Um, but he's in Bali for a wedding at the minute, so I'm taking ownership. And he's my son now, I've decided. <laughs> Uh, he's just the sweetest. This morning I had to wake him up for his bath and his little eyes just open. You bath tortoises? Yeah, so you just put him... They can't bath in themselves, the, You just put him in this Tupperware. It's the only way they drink water. They're like, I think they like absorb it. So you just put them in this little Tupperware I'm, I'm of water. Sure. I don't know if they absorb sure. it through their feet. <laughs> but through their bodies because they get dry. So I'm they pretty need, sure like, osmosis is not going on. Well, maybe, but maybe they need to be submerged in water to drink water. Like it might be a yeah. psychological thing. For I don't know. But they don't drink. But they don't drink from. They don't drink from like a, a thing of water. Like that's the only water contact they get. I'm pretty sure that being submerged in water to drink water would be an evolutionary fuck up. Because no, not submerged, but like they need to. Up to only up to, to his shell. It. Only up to yeah, his yeah, shell. Yeah, but I'm just thinking like like. Uh, tortoise um, live in places like the Galapagos Islands, don't they? Which are fairly dry, where there's not like deep reservoirs of water, just sit fresh water lying around. So. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't like lap it up like dogs, but they do eat 
um, they do it in the most adorable little way. It's a little like just put their head out and that. Yeah. Have you ever been attacked by a tortoise before? <laughs> Funny story. So my dad's friend had a tortoise uh, when I was growing up. You just go around his house. I'm not joking. Like you'd have to stand there and wait for it to come over and attack you because it was worth it. So you'd, you'd see him prod <laughs> along the garden, honestly, like a like a territorial dog, coming towards you, face on it as well, and he'd get to you. And then he would just he'd, he'd nip your nip your shoe, and he'd really? realise that that didn't hurt you. So then he would just plonk himself down, and then just like barrage himself against you, like headbutt you, yeah, yeah, like plant his feet, and then rock to and fro, headbutting into your foot until you moved. And that was his way of telling you, just get the fuck off my off my garden. Wow. Yeah, angry tortoise. Yeah. yeah, really, not as nice as your one. No, this little things, guy yeah. is made, He just kind of he just goes into corners and tries to get under things and like you let him out in your room to have a little run around and then you come to f- have to try and find him later and he's just like in the corner and he's like, come on little guy yeah. yeah amazing right should we turn our attention to tech oh tortoises and tech <laughs> tortoise <talks. laughs> um our guest today is jay he is the ceo founder of divink um stay tuned afterwards we will have some news we will have some commentary on this interview but here's jay so today we're chatting to Jay. You're the CEO, founder yes, of Divink. Yeah. I suppose both the same thing. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it odd being a CEO of your own business? Um, I don't know. Yeah, probably. Yeah, a little bit odd. Yeah, yeah, because it's kind of like you're the boss. And CEO has that like kind of title, doesn't it? That comes with a certain connotation. And yes. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the C-suite. But um, there's yeah. no one else in the C-suite. So it's, <laughs> it's a suite with just me in it. Look, I mean, you've done remarkably well over the last couple of years you've been listed on the Forbes 30 under 30 um, so congratulations on that thanks uh, and that's obviously for the work that you're doing with Divink but if someone's not familiar with what you guys are doing yeah what is it so we help young people from underestimated backgrounds to launch their own startups and possibly gain investment up to half a million pounds yep and we do that by inspiring equipping and then funding them so I can run through all that work. So yep. basically we inspire them by delivering a talk into their school. So this talk is delivered by a young founder who is from um, one part of the country and they're running their own startup, they're killing it and they will actually deliver a talk uh, online directly into the school. So you'd have 1,300 students that are in a school and the talk is actually beamed directly into their classroom via a webinar and all the students will see it from their classroom. Right. So it's a live talk where the students actually then get the opportunity to ask questions at the end of the talk. So once the students have been inspired, we then equip them. So we have an online platform. And over eight weeks, they go through our incubator, similar to Y Combinator's startup school. And as they go through our incubator, learn everything from coming up with the idea all the way through to, to how to pitch. So at the end of the eight weeks, they send a video of them pitching their concept. We then review that and give feedback to them. And then they pitch one last time. And we choose the startups we think are investable and scalable. And we take them to our demo day. So our demo day this year is uh, where we fund our students. So this year, we're actually hosting it at... Um, Boston Consulting Group's Digital Ventures Office, mm. which is in Soho, and there they get the opportunity to pitch for grant-based investments. This is 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 pounds to get their idea off the ground. Yep. They use that money to bootstrap, and then they have two milestones. Their first milestone is a year after leaving us. We have, if they've got scale to a certain point, then we actually send them back into secondary schools to start delivering talks themselves. Yep. And then if they, um, two years after leaving us, if they scale to another certain point, then we actually give them the opportunity to pitch for equity-based investment into their startup. Awesome. Look, out of interest, often on this podcast when I've spoken to people, the, the, the genesis of a really good business has not been a business. It's been, oh crap, we've got this problem. Yes. So if yeah, I think about uh, a company like Labstep who were on the show last year, a yeah. um, couple of PhD students, they couldn't, basically there's a, this non-reproducibility problem in labs. Yeah. It was a problem that they were facing. They built a platform to fix it and all of a sudden someone turns around and goes, 
actually that's scalable. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah Or Koala, uh, travel tech agency, similar thing. I want to go on holiday, but I'm on my own. What do I do? I'll build a platform, fix it. Yeah, awesome. These kids are at school. Yeah, awesome. So when yeah. you're talking about the concepts, yeah, yeah, obviously yeah. they've probably not faced the same challenges that <laughs> yeah, the, 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 yeah, your yeah, normal yeah. founder has yeah, faced. So what exactly, kind of yeah. concepts are they coming up with? Yeah, great. You, you'd expect them to maybe be talking about the environment, but maybe that's entirely wrong. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, really good question. Yeah, so a lot of the young people, the thing is we, we deal with underestimated young people, so that's either people who are low-income, ethnic minorities, or they're female. Right. Um, so the barriers they face, um, especially even at a young age, is, is quite interesting. Stuff that's going on with Brexit and the stuff that's going on just with the uncertainty in uh, in schools and so on and so on. And all these young people are actually um, trying to solve problems with regards to community, which is quite interesting. Right. So you get a lot of young people. Um, so we've got a group of kids, a company called OpticNet, and basically they are trying to create a way for young people to get into competitive gaming, but they're actually using a grassroots community model to actually get to that stage. Cool. So they help young people to actually... Um, have grassroots uh, com um, competitive gaming competitions, and then gradually, as you win, go to the competitions, you win, um, you win more and more and more, you get to a higher level, and then you can eventually end up in competitive gaming, which is obviously extremely attractive for a 13-year-old, 14-year-old kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is really, really cool. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got, we've got a young boy called Scott, who's got an app called Lewis, which is extremely confusing because I call him Lewis all the time. But anyway, his app is called, <laughs> called Lewis, but it's an AI tool teaching science to schools. Yeah. So it's these kind of completely different ideas that um, one started by a kid in Elephant Parcel, one started by um, another um, kid out in Aylesbury. So completely different ideas, but both really, really plausible and great revenue models to them. And the founders genuinely love what they're doing, which is really, really cool. Are you from London originally? Yes. Yeah, Where, whereabouts? Yeah. So Stratford, East London, yeah. Hackney, parents shipped me out to, um, went to school in Milton Keynes, uh, secondary school in Milton Keynes, then University of Birmingham and then back to London. Right. Um, do, do you see... Sounds like your parents were supportive, but do you see yeah. aspects of challenges that you might have faced growing up in inner city London uh, yeah, and, and, places, yeah. and studying in places like Birmingham, you know, yeah. large urban areas that some of these kids are coming up against? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, the interesting thing, I think, uh, growing up for me personally was so I had two great parents. I'm number five out of six kids, so big family. Yeah. Um, Mum's Jamaican, dad's Australian and German. Um, but I think the thing that was interesting for me growing up was kind of it wasn't we weren't we weren't extremely poor but then we weren't so say for example I was in a position where my parents earned slightly too much to give me any money for um, no slightly too much for me to get any money from university yeah yeah so they same, sounds the same as me yeah so you couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't get grants you couldn't get so on or so on but then they earned too little to actually give a real me anything yeah, when, yeah. Um, for university so I went to university and I had to get two jobs and and so on and so on because basically it was kind of well we can't give you money and the government can't give you money so yeah. good luck kind of thing um, so it wasn't that my parents were supportive but it's just it is really this kind of thing so entrepreneurship for me was something where so say for example when I was uh, 14, 15 I was kind of just sick of wearing my brother's hand me down clothes so I started to actually uh, go to school and I get the younger kids to school to start stealing computer parts for me they steal like a mouse key with a screen they'd bring it to me and I'd sell it to Mr. Patel at the market um, and we did that for like four or five months and it was like a really good business it was great um, but then the kids started getting caught and, and, and the kids started grassing uh, and again they get in trouble with the police and get in trouble with my school getting suspended but then actually the thing is from that the catalyst of that my business studies teacher noticed what I was doing and actually then thought okay you know what let me help these kids to stop there's a spark of ingenuity yeah, exactly. there but alright yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's slightly misguided exactly. but there's yeah, something that you can exactly work right. with. Yeah, yeah. So it really helped me. Um, Mr. Wright, who's my business studies teacher, helped me to start my first business. And that was that. That kind of just set the spark of light. I started a t-shirt company, uh, paid my friends to sell my t-shirts for me, ended up making about £3,000 profit. Wow. Um, then that just really, I was like, okay, you know, I want to go to university to study business. And that was that was the catalyst. And 
put me on a whole different trajectory for life, which is really cool. Now, let me make sure I get this right. Initially, you saw the offering here to business being a CSR angle, right? Yes, exactly right. But actually, what's happened is more than CSR, they see it as a way of talent spotting and nurturing talent for their organizations from, from the program. Exactly right, yeah, yeah. So the, so the, the thing is with Gen Z, which is the young people do work for, this is young people born after uh, 1996. Um, the thing with Gen Z, um, they've got like three key things about them. So the first is that they're, um, they're digital natives. They just grew up around software updates and so on and so on. The second thing is that they're mobile first. So they're, that's, they're just on their phones all the time. And then the third thing is that they're co-creators. Um, but the th funny thing about uh, Gen Z is, is that they genuinely, they genuinely care, and they genuinely, um, they genuinely care about the environment around the world. A little bit different to millennials, because millennials we're like, oh, we need a mission, we need a purpose, so on and so on. And Gen Z are more focused around uh, the the community side of things. That's what they. That's interesting because I've not heard that before. Yeah, yeah we, so we always tend to go Gen Z and lump in millennials kind of yeah, tag, they get yeah, tagged on yeah, a little bit into this not, bigger group exactly yeah they're completely different and when we, so when we first started going in we were speaking to companies and companies saying oh yeah we'd love to be involved in what you guys are doing and um, we'll do it from a CSR point of view so on and so on and then what started to happen was so over the next few years we've been working with 1.3 million kids and what was happening is clients were saying to us well um, would they be able to help us with regards to our social media or would they be able to help us with regards to um, to solving some problems we have and the funny thing about young people um, about Gen Z, sorry, is that they are all entrepreneurial. So it may not be they're entrepreneurial to start their own business, but they may be entrepreneurial in other ways. So entrepreneurs. So they may want to go into a company and, and help a company solve it in entrepreneurial ways. Yeah. So they all have these entrepreneurial abilities just because they've grown up around it. So they'd be, they're so used to co-creating on YouTube and so on and so on. So what happened was a lot of our clients started to notice these these uh, abilities in the young people. So we just did a bit of research and just interviewed a lot. You know, the young people looked at the data that was out there and just came up with an understanding that actually, you know what, some of our young people may not want to start their own businesses, but they may be perfect to help our organizations to, to solve, our clients, sorry, to solve solve other problems. So um, so we have the uh, the mentoring side of things where clients can actually um, pay to mentor our young people um, as they're preparing for demo day. But then you have two other sides of things where say, for example, a client will say, you know what, this is a problem we're having in the organization. Can we get a small cohort of young people together to help us to solve this problem? And then those young people can use their entrepreneurial abilities to actually solve solve that problem. And then the third side of it is is where you get clients are saying, you know what, we have no idea how to use social media to, to attract Gen Z or to get involved with them. We can't exactly DM a 13-year-old on Instagram and ask to work with them. So can we work with you so we can get some of these Gen Z young people to create great content with us um, for Gen Z and the Gen Z love that. Out of interest, do you have to work with your clients as well, though, in terms of the career path? within their organizations. Because quite often that, those entrepreneurial skill sets, they yeah. don't fit a traditional yeah. job spec, yeah, right? Yeah. You can bring someone in who's got great social media skills and then the organization, because it's slightly archaic, doesn't yes. exactly know how to utilize yeah. that, right? Yeah, exactly right, yeah. yeah. So a lot, of our, um, a, lot of, a lot of our initial interactions with our, with our clients is just basically education. So it's just getting them to understand that, hey, this is how Gen Z thinks. So when they do come in, they are gonna, they are gonna challenge a lot of the things that you think are just norms. Um, and they're going to do it from a completely different angle. And what we encourage them to do is just accept that. Is just say, okay, you know what? You guys know a lot more about your generation than we do. So we're just going to jump on board with what you guys are doing. And then we're going to co-create together, which is something I mentioned earlier. That's mm -hmm. really important to Gen Z is co-creating with their superiors to actually say, you know what? Let, let's create something amazing that's going to that's going to be great for both the client 
for the company, sorry, and the, and the young person themselves, which is cool. Well, look, you get to be in this really lovely position where not only have you got your own business that you're growing, but you get to see the genesis, I suppose, of lots of other businesses. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. If someone's thinking about starting their own business, what, what do you think? If you could give them one or two tiny bits of advice that might help <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah. And I know it's challenging, right? Because yeah, there's so many different things. Yeah, but definitely, yeah. Stuff that you try and remember um, personally. That's a really good question, actually. I think um, for me, probably the first one is really just just actually research your market. Because I think a lot of young people I speak to, not even young people, even um, folks that are um, uh, slightly older, is a lot of the time they're like, oh, this idea is gold and everybody's going to love it and it's going to be great and so on and so on. But until you go out there and actually ask people and find out it's actually something worthwhile, then it's, 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 it's not really, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. maybe solving a problem for five people in the world, which isn't something that's, that's super scalable unless those five people are five massive companies. <laughs> you, can, you can do it for. Um, but then outside of doing, doing that initial research, the big thing for me, I would say, is just getting it started. Because a lot of people, I meet so many people, I get asked all the time for people to say, the quote unquote, can I pick your brains? Um, and can I sit down with you and just for half an hour and pick your brains about my idea? And when I first started doing this, I was like, yeah, saying yes to everybody, listen down, you can pick my brains. And then after a while, I was realizing so many people have been thinking about doing something for the last seven years. And I'm thinking, okay, cool. So when are you going to actually get started on it? Because it's when you get started, then you realize, okay, this is this is shocking. Um, this isn't what I want to do. And, and, and it, do you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it helps yeah, me yeah. to actually figure out whether the, this is a path that they want to go down or not, which is really, really cool. But I think it's, yeah, I would say first thing, fully research it. Don't just... Don't just go off your own back and think, oh, this is this is perfect, this is gold. But then once you have researched it, just get it started. Yeah. Start something, even if it's just a little bit, of, um, like an hour a day or two hours a week or whatever you can do, just get it done. Um, and then once you start doing that, it is it completely changes everything. Awesome. Look, it's been really good to chat to you. Thanks for making some time. Thanks for having me. And enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, thanks, David. Okay. Um, I love that despite hindsight, he still describes his little racket as a really good business. His little racket. <laughs> I love I love this story. I, I mean, love this. Every single kid who's acting up at school, and let's face it, most kids do it a certain... Yeah. They should listen to Jay's story. Absolutely. And take solace in the fact that actually, you know, or, or maybe all adults should listen to it and go, all kids have plenty of... Of, of opportunity and a bright future ahead of yeah. them if you just believe in them and the yeah. thing that I really thought was heartening about this was a teacher it's despite teacher. despite yeah. the shit he'd obviously yeah. caused yeah. it's the teacher recognise that this kid's got a hell of a lot of talent and it just needs to be nurtured in the yeah. right way and probably probably true of so many kids that unfortunately yeah. don't get get that help and that steer yeah because some some schools and some teachers are unfortunately far too focused on obedience and enforcing rules and they punish him straight away like box yeah. ticking rather than actually like you said nurturing um like kids intelligence that might be kind of presenting itself in a different way like uh, and they just want to stamp down on people that are chatty or you know this is an educational thing though i mean just just to start yeah, off with really. like this is one of the best founder stories ever as i seem to say every fucking week at the moment but this is so <laughs> inspiring but like it's because uh, teachers are taught not necessarily to think outside of the box or they're yeah. not that they, they want teachers have to get a certain amount of grades and things like that in order to yeah. be a successful teacher in air quotes but it takes a teacher to step outside of their comfort zone to realize the kids aren't just sitting down doing exams, going into business world, and that's life. You know, there is going to be there are lots of children that 
don't operate that way. You know, yeah. all of us sitting okay. here have gone to school and uni in a very typical way. But, you know, Jay wasn't like us. Jay was a bit, he had a different way of getting to where he got to. And yeah. I think it's very Alan Sugar, the way he's come about, like his business, which is a compliment. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a fantastic story. And it, and it reminds me of, I mean, it's nowhere near this call, but my English teacher said to me in year 10, just like the strictest woman at school, amazing teacher. I was shit scared of her from year seven to nine. Year 10, rock up, do my first piece of coursework, get a C minus. She goes, Jack, there's something in here. You, you seem to be writing like you're, like you're writing a song or whatever. Focus on that. And then lo and behold, she helped me, develop me, and I've got eight stars in English throughout the rest See, of my life. I kind of, I kind of think... Nice. That's a good <laughs> story, isn't it? I was shit at everything else at school, but one teacher saw something I was good at and honed in on it. And yeah. exactly the same as Jay and his Mr. Business study. I mean, yeah. it's, it's basically the genius of Raul Dahl with Matilda. It's exactly that. It's, it is, it's yeah. a kid who's probably a little bit bored and a little bit creative yeah. pushing boundaries and yeah. doing some pretty cool stuff really yeah. but thoroughly misguided I'm not saying that kids should be stealing stuff from school and selling it to local and shops they didn't steal stuff from their school and do dodgy things did, with it did like, you did you yeah. sell oh, it business? we always tried to sell like nick and sell bunsen burners but obviously no one has a gas connection so no one wanted to buy a bunsen burner so my friend ended up with about eight bunsen burners sitting in his lounge jay outsmarted you Oh, absolutely, much, yeah. much better business model. Yeah. Well, what's nice about this is how it's kind of come full circle of, um, you know, like a teacher believing in him. Yeah. And now he's putting trust and belief into Gen Z kids. And I think it's really nice because, you know, they, the young kids, just always the youngest generation gets so much stick for mm. this and that, for being... You know, not like the previous being, generation. Yeah, 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 yeah like yeah, oh, yeah. different, and so folks on the phones and where So what I liked about this is is he's uh, acknowledging and like understanding of what makes Gen Z different and better, and like what they can offer to businesses, um, and what they can do to help businesses uh, progress. And yeah, mm. um, it's well, really important. One of the things he mentions about Gen Z a couple of times is that they're co-creators. Yeah, yeah. That they want to that. work with seniors or superiors. I think is the word that Jay actually uses. That they want to co-collaborate. That they want to create something mm. of value. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because we do often think, oh, they're different. They they're on their phones. Oh, they're this alien lot that we don't really yeah, get. Yeah. That's not the reality. The reality is that they are people who don't fit the norms of what business would operate in terms of um, a normal career pathway necessarily, but they want to create value, they want to I have think, value, they, uh, and, yeah. and they obviously have strong community the uh, big, value at heart. big difference with Gen Z and millennials like us is, I mean, the co-creator piece is, is so important, but I saw a lot of myself in the co-creator piece, you know, from creating stupid YouTube videos with my yeah, friends when yeah. I was younger and stuff like that, but the difference is, is Gen Y would be like, what bunch of fucking idiots the millennials are acting like children all the time when they're 16 they should be working now whereas gen us millennials are going to be like harnessing that and we see ourselves in, millenn uh, in gen z's co-creating doing all this youtube stuff and the only reason we get annoyed at them is because we're jealous that we didn't create a youtube yeah. account or they're better at it or they're, they're better, better exactly yeah. so i think i think gen y missed the beat a bit with yeah. a lot of this sort of uh, co-collaborating and co-creating yeah. stuff but us millennials and Gen Z are, are much more open to work together. Well, see, I'm actually right on the cusp. I was born in '96, so oh, I'm like, yeah, I. You're like Dave. Dave's on the cusp. Just about a millennial. The other, the other <laughs> cusp, though. <laughs> the other end. No, yeah. I'm just about a millennial. So 
you know, when we talk about things about Gen Z and when I'm kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're so good at like Instagram and YouTube mm. and everything, uh, I can see myself uh, being in between that. Like when I was growing up, it was like we were kind of on the tail end of these things so did you, you know, still have Bebo I had Bebo there you go you're a millennial I was on the kind of tail end of the things that were changing and then when I was still young enough to kind of care like when I was at uni was when Snapchat started being a thing um, yeah. but I still know like I'm I'm not as kind of cool and good at Instagram as like Gen Z would be I think the biggest difference between millennials and Gen Z right and I say this at, you know at the slightly older end Say of the spectrum. Is... No, no, but I, I'm probably quite typical of a lot of millennials. Yes. In that a lot of the tools that we talk about digital natives using yep. were brand new to us. Yep. And yeah. so, especially around privacy, right? Um, millennials are less responsible online than Gen Z are. Yep. Probably because all these tools were brand new. We went, great, play with them. Like Dive Facebook, in. thousands of photos, thousands, and then all of a sudden, yeah. like, oh shit, did we really think that through? Whereas, Gen Z have grown up with these things existing yeah, yeah, and have had the time yeah, yeah. to go, do I want to be on there or not, rather than just acting crazy and signing up to everything and using it. Well, I think that's easy. where millennials have kind of gone, we just went a little bit crazy and now we're like, oh shit, rein it back yeah. in. Yeah, well, well there's more choice now, isn't there? Because for me as well, like, you know, when Facebook came out, it was like, oh, everyone's using Facebook, I'm going to write a status about how I'm bored or I need a wee or something. <laughs> um, and it was, yeah, this new thing and like you said, no kids have more of awareness from an early age of, and it's more you know more established social media platforms yeah. and stuff so so they can choose and pick what works for them and like stuff like that what I do love about what Jay says that I bring, bring it back to the interview and, and what he t- when he's talking about Gen Z is businesses want to be educated on how to interact with them his advice is they're different just accept that yeah yeah, yeah. I mean if, if only everyone could get on board with that yeah. message but, and use it like yeah. he says like utilise the things Celebrate that they're it. better at than you like um, they can bring fresh new ideas into your business that you might that, not have considered something that stuck with me throughout uni and I'm not being preachy or over woke <laughs> here but I did a feminism course at university <laughs> and I learned yeah, that's a round of applause and the crowd goes wild <laughs> Uh, but no, and we, we study French feminism within that. And French feminism taught women to celebrate being different, celebrate being the other. And it's almost our responsibility to celebrate us for being different and Gen Z for yeah. being totally different. Yeah. If we try and make them be like us or we try and be like Gen Y, we're all going to be the same. You know, yeah. That's why baby boomers are so fucked as a generation because they tried too much to be like every other generation before them. Whereas we yeah. celebrate to be different, harness our specialties and yeah. 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 Better world. Yeah. And I, I suppose um, the last point, though, is that there are some businesses that are waking up to this fact, right? Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, they wouldn't be getting in touch with Divink and going, well, we can't DM them on Instagram, so we want to work <laughs> yeah. with you. Yeah. Yeah. Fair play. You yeah, know? I love that bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bar- Barclays sliding into someone's DM is probably going to make you exactly. have heart palpitations. Yeah. And like I said, 13 year olds and, or, you know, people that are between 11 and 18, like, they're quite good at knowing like they you know like the like people that are good or not on social media and some accounts and that we can see that they're just they're trying yeah but they're not they you know like they're just trying that they don't really know what they're doing like whereas people that are that age like they know that like they, they exactly. know what kind of works online and what doesn't and like they're just innately going to be better at that because like you said they're digital first and, and, and mobile first and everything so um that can be really useful rather than just kind of Oh, let's do that social media thing. For the sake of it, yeah. Mm. Okay, so before we go to our advert break, a quick reminder that our poll for the Tech Personality of the Year award 
closes at 6pm on the 18th of April. Ooh. So there's still time to vote, but time is beginning to run out. And we've had around 500 votes so far, so we'd love it if you'd continue to support our shortlist. Um, and if you want to see who's won the award, 9th of May, 6pm, Westworks in White City, come along. And not only do you get to see who wins the award, but we're giving away five pairs of tickets to Unbound London in July. So ten the other day. What's happened to five oh, tickets? Ten, ten tickets, five pairs. Oh, okay, right. Big fun. Come on, Jack. Yeah, yeah, slow, come on. Slow morning. Do you <laughs> on that note, we'll go to our advert break. Tech Talks are partnering with Alive and Kicking, a charity that set up businesses that manufacture beautiful sports balls across sub-Saharan Africa. Using profits from ball sales and additional fundraising from events like the Hackney Half Marathon, they're able to train sports coaches to deliver vital health education. We're about to hear from Naomi, a coach in Zambia, who's been trained to deliver mental health education to her community. Hello there, this is Coach Naomi from Zambia. I would love to say with Alive and Kicking training, which has helped me to teach my players about like mental health. It has really built my knowledge and they have passed through to my young players in, in the community. I also work with Special Olympics where we deal with children with disability, mentally and physically. I hope and trust that the Alive and Kicking will continue teaching coaches in various parts of the world, not just in Zambia. Thank you very much, Alive and Kicking. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Um, okay, first bit of news to tackle. Self-driving cars could provide a £62 billion boost to the UK economy by 2030, but may be threatened by a no-deal Brexit. Oh, it was such a positive spin for AI there. It started so well that I knew that before you finished that headline, something negative had to be yeah. thrown in there. So, yeah. so our, our leading position in developing self-driving cars produ could produce a £62 billion pound economic boost by 2030 um and this is this is quite interesting because if you think about it self-driving cars is not necessarily the automotive industry no nope. because no nope. we think of an autonomous car and we think of a whole but it's not no. it's software platforms being yep. integrated into cars so it's the software industry it's all the jobs that get created around that but you also need to think about the infrastructure so smart cities mm -hmm. you need to think yeah. about the knock-on effects on uh, the likes of TFL and road signals and all these other bits and pieces. So there's a huge economic potential here it's around self-driving cars. Well, also, I'm pretty sure cars are manufactured by robots mostly these days anyway, so there's not going to be a loss of jobs there. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, well done, well done. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, no-deal Brexit is not an option. It would be catastrophic for the industry. The UK's position globally would be undermined says Mike Hawkes, the director executive of the SMMT. Oh, right, so no deal Brexit. SMMT is the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders in Europe. Based? Sorry? Based in Europe? One oh, no, the UK. Oh, okay. Um, well, no deal Brexit's not just catastrophic for the automotive car industry, it's catastrophic for our whole fucking country. So you're not special there, mate. But it's a good point. And, you know, if we want to develop into this being a real thing, you know, saw um, Tesla's uh, driverless trucks the other day on their Twitter, I think it was, after Elon Musk released his Harambe rap single. Oh. Um, but yeah, so no deal Brexit is shit for everybody. So yeah. <laughs> what's, what's great is that um, 
the UK does have the world's first insurance legislation for autonomous vehicles already in place. Um, so Is that we've, like we've got a... the platform effectively to, to do this. It's just tech could be, su- could be such a huge positive for this country yeah. should we not put barriers up. And like, I suppose lorry drivers will lose their jobs and stuff like that, but they can upskill, and, you know. Still well, actually, I was having a conversation um, that will appear on the podcast. Oh, spoilers. Yeah, um, it, it, soon. Um, that when you think of autonomous vehicles, again, don't just necessarily think of cars on the road. Don't necessarily even think of haulage. Think of forklift trucks in warehouses. Think of quite low skill jobs like that that are very repetitive. Where that can be replaced free... by, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, can have, you, can, you can definitely have an autonomous forklift truck. Did you not see the um, Boston, you know, the, the Boston MIT team that are making all kinds yeah. of robots at the moment? Did oh, you not see that? Yeah. They did this one um, in their warehouse, and it's honestly, it's like a, a crane on a ball. It operates like an arm that picks stuff up and stuff like that. Like yeah. I'm doing more visual cues for a podcast. I know, but <laughs> it's almost like it. It goes down, suctions it Just up a, like, like, a, a crane, like an arcade like, game, yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, they're doing magic. Yeah, anyway. but yeah. I was listening to a podcast with Stephen Fry the other day, and obviously he has such a way with with word and things. So yeah. Just listen to him all day, but. Um, he just made the really simple point that I think we sometimes forget that, you know, um, robots are doing, are now going to continually stop do the menial stuff so we don't have to, so we can start focusing on the stuff that humans are better at or like, um, you know, get away from the industrial revolution kind of way of seeing work and like, yeah, leave that to the robots that can do it, you know, safer or quicker or whatever. Uh, and it will just hopefully cause a shift rather than, you know, replacing humans. Yeah. It will just shift what humans are um, can, like, focus their energy on. So, Would you say that um, Stephen Fry is the establishment's answer to Jack Biz? Yeah. <laughs> Sean, have you, have you got an article today? Yes. So, um, I mean, it's also a bit on I, I, uh, there. Oh, yeah. It's also kind of about AI, but more about, you know, ethics and diversity with it because... Um, I mean, I was bang on about this, but I think that's the the scariest um, fit and like most important thing to focus on it with AI is to instill ethics in it now and to think about that now before it's too late. Mm. And um, you know, we don't really know the effects of, of instilling human bias in AI, but it would obviously just be catastrophic. Bias in, bias out. Yeah. So Google today dissolved its um, advisory board designed to monitor its use of artificial intelligence, like the ethics behind it. Um, and they dissolved it because people basically called out their Santa Claus for a called out their um, selection of the board because it was a, there was a noted conservative figure, um, Heritage Foundation pres- president Kay Coles James, who was openly espoused anti-LGBTQ rhetoric and for efforts to extend rights to transgender individuals and to combat climate change. Um, Right, so if he's so putting his bias in, they're fucking up ready. Yeah, so they've they've put together an advanced technology external advisory council for it for AI to philosophy and psychology and robotics. Um so you know, it wasn't all but the, the board wasn't all bad. It was some academics as well, but it also included kind of policy makers like people that are lobbying against transgender and LGBT rights. So it's like, oh my god, it's simple. Like if you wanna build Good, good forward thinking ethics into your machines. 
don't invite people on that are homophobic. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Yeah, oh, your, your robot will then turn homophobic <laughs> rapidly. Just oh. like the, was it the Amazon bot that did it on Twitter that went racist within about twenty four Microsoft. Microsoft wasn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Went racist within about twenty four hours. Yeah, and we kind of we kind of tend to blame AI and, and see it as like some. Um, well, if it's learning, then why is it learning to be like that? Yeah, <laughs> like some, some out of our control, like otherworldly, and I guess you know people that don't really understand it, which is completely fair enough. Um, but it's it's us that's, that's yeah. creating it, so it's our fault if it goes tits up. So yeah. you know, this is things that we need to be talking about and paying attention to, and um, not dismissing as unimportant. Don't elect idiots to positions of power. Yeah. I mean, that is 2019's rhetoric, isn't it, really? Too late for us and America. <sighs> really? Well, elections come round every now and then. Yeah, yeah. there'll be an election if she resigns once she gets her deal in. You oh, think, no. right? God. Anyway, I don't want to go okay, to the Okay, we need a good word. story now to distract from the hellhole of life. Well, it's Friday. That's a good story. <laughs> That's a good story. That's a good story. Um, this is going out on Monday, so unfortunately everyone won't be able to agree with that. <laughs> well, I've got a, just a good story, quick Go headline. That's a lie, it's an awful story. A video oh. app TikTok fails to remove online predators. Oh. Stay safe out there, kids, on TikTok, okay? Because oh predators gosh. are still on the platform. That's that's my advice. So many stories of this coming out now, like with it YouTube. It sounds awful, but the content's everything. hilarious. Like, oh. The TikTok content, like what oh, these kids yeah. are making. Okay. Like, not, not the uh, predatory sorry. content. No, oh, no, wow, no, okay. No. I don't subscribe <laughs> to that, no. But uh, <laughs> the content that they make on TikTok is fucking hilarious. Mm. It's just like Vine. Like, it's so It's funny. the best parts of Vine before Vine yeah. just died. If, yeah. If but, people listening don't know, it's, it's basically just like mostly kids, mm. sometimes older people, but mostly kind of teenagers. Am I an older person? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> in this, in this, in this sense of the word, <laughs> in TikTok life you are. Uh, yeah. But it's just them like singing, <sighs> lip syncing uh, to songs. But I <laughs> like, saw. It's just. Oh. I saw a bloke throw a cheese singlet, you know, like a cheese oh square, God, at a dog, video. and the dog literally doesn't move, doesn't do anything. She goes, opens his mouth, and then yeah. it goes. Straight you saw away. the ones where they're throwing them at babies. <laughs> There was a whole thing about that, wasn't there? Ah. I saw a headline that said, stop throwing your cheese at babies. I was like, what world are we living in? It was hilarious. And people was people were like, well, that's really abusive. And no, I was like, not. kids, it's food. And yeah. you're putting it in the kids' no, face. I, I, it's not going to abuse them. They like it. You, yeah. shouldn't, you shouldn't have those cheese slices in the first fucking place. Yes. Uh, they're they're awful, amazing. They're plastic. They they're are. lovely. They are. On that note, have perfect. a lovely week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.